Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor at Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org, and contact us. We'd love to help. Amen. Take your Bibles open to Psalm. We're going to get there in a little bit. You can go to 2 Corinthians. We're going to end up in Psalms. It's not actually Psalms. It's Psalm 73. We're going to get there. We're going to start off in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're talking about thinking biblically. Thinking biblically, and we've begun to address the area of depression. And we just looked last week at a couple of things. So really quickly, let me remind you of the things that we looked at. We looked at the fact that depression is not simply facing a trial. It's not simply going through something that causes grief. Just because you're sad does not mean that you are depressed. Jesus Christ wept. He went through grief. Uh, there were different trials and disappointments that come across Jesus' life. Disappointment is not necessarily depression. Confusing circumstances, when you're not sure exactly what is going on in your life, that's not necessarily depression. Uh, threatening circumstances does not cause depression. So we looked at Second Corinthians 4, and I want to make sure that we are, we're clear on what's going on here, because Paul delineates... We don't see the word depression in the Bible, uh, but Paul talks about some things that I think we can define, define our uh, idea of what we're talking about when it comes to the idea, the biblical idea of depression. If you're in 2 Corinthians 4, we'll start in verse 7. Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. And he's talking about the treasure that God has given us, but the vessels, the, the flesh that we live in, uh, the clay pots, the difficulty, are, are, that, is, that is not what we treasure. Although, if you were to look at many different prayer requests and prayer request lists, most of them deal with the earthen vessels. And that is what most of the prayer requests are about, is the earthen vessels. And yet the most important thing is the treasure, is the thing that we have on the inside. Now look what he says. He says, we are troubled. And this is the idea of being pressed. This is the idea of having stress. He says, we're troubled on every side but not distressed. This distressed means not just pressed, but, but constricted, restricted. So troubled means, boy, there's pressure. Distressed means that is an overwhelming pressure that has bound you and, hold, and holds you, okay? We're troubled on every side, not distressed. We're perplexed. This is the inability to see something clearly, but not in despair, now, that, that, that Greek word despair, if memory serves correct, that is the, the idea of no way through. And that's what despair means. Despair means that we don't see a way past this, not a way through this. So perplexed means we're not able to figure something out. Despair means we're utterly and finally perplexed. We have just, we've given up hope. So that there's no possibility. That's the difference. So um, troubled but not distressed, perplexed, not despairing. Verse 9, persecuted, this is the idea for pursued. We, something is dogging us. There's something that's always on our heels. Persecuted, but not forsaken. And this is the same word that Jesus Christ used on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the utter, utter and final turning of God's back on his son. We're putting all the sin of the world on his shoulders. And that is the utter and final forsaking that is being talked about there. And then he says, cast down. And that's the idea of being caught. So persecuted means, boy, people are dogging me. They're always after me. Cast down means, oh, they've tackled me. <laughs> and some of you feel persecuted. Some of you feel cast down. 
But he says, but not destroyed. And again, the idea is fully destroyed. So what is depression? What are we talking about? Um, different folks will throw different words out and understand this is not a clinical study here. This is not something, I'm not Dr. Dave giving you different ideas. What, what depression is in dealing from the Bible is when we are utterly and completely perplexed, hopeless. Utterly and completely. And it causes a type of paralysis in our interaction with the regular activities of life. And so instead of being able to take care of family, instead of being able to think through work, uh, there's so many different ways that this can show up. You say, Pastor, why are, you, why are you sharing this with us? Is this, uh, do you think there's, listen, depression is one of the things that people are very, very, they don't like to talk about it. It's not the kind of thing they'll bring up easily. It's the kind of thing that we want to kind of keep hidden, kind of keep away. Because what depression will tell you is that you are a louse. You have ruined everything in your life. The more you're around other people, the more you're going to ruin them. And so you'll put up this facade that is happy, have, okay, everything's fine. And the inside you're slowly dying or feel completely dead. And you'll try to avoid that. And then this pressure begins to build and build and build. And it is a very, very, very common thing to the human experience. First Corinthians 10, remember? Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Uh, depression is incredibly common. Um, it's amazing. You go back and look at different folks and some of the different things. Some of you may be surprised. Some of you may think, well, depression, this is more of a modern thing. It's not. A depression, you see depression in the Old Testament. You see struggles in the New Testament. You see Puritans. Uh, Richard Baxter wrote a book about depression. Richard Baxter, if you don't know about him, he was a doctor and a pastor. And so he was uh, involved on both sides in dealing with that. And Richard Baxter said, hey, listen, this, this is a big deal. Um, the, uh, Charles Spurgeon struggled often with depression. It's a common, common thing. It says, wherefore let him that think of these stand and take heed lest he fall. Why? Because there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Now here's the thing that I want to make sure that you understand. Different people get into depression for different reasons. And while there is basically one way out of depression, uh, there are different folks that will apply truth a little bit differently. One thing we have to fight doing is saying, well, hey, this is, this is the way I did it. This is, the way it took, this is the way I took care of it. And so this is the way everybody should do it. No, no, you have to look at it. The Bible says, listen, there's nothing that's common. There's nothing that's not common. And with every temptation comes what? According to the same verse. A way to escape. Now listen, that is the, at the very core of what depression is. Depression either hides or obfuscates that way to escape. And what, what, what depression will do is depression will come in like a fog. It won't, it won't show up. It won't be something like, well, you go to the doctor and say, well, it's hurting here or it's hurting here or it's hurt. It's not like that. You can't really figure out exactly. You just know that something is wrong and it doesn't, doesn't necessarily appear easily how to take care of it. And it's very important to understand that it's going to show up in different forms to varying extents. But one thing that our culture has done that's been very, very damaging is it, is it doesn't understand what depression is. Okay? And so as a Christian, now the Bible tells us in Romans 12, don't be conformed, but instead be what? Transformed. Well, there is tons of stuff out there about depression. Okay? And of course, all of you have probably heard of WebMD, right? Get on the web, figure out what's going on. Well, what can cause depression? I actually, uh, we put a list up there. Can we put that list up there of, uh, of depression? Okay, 
Abuse. These are, these are the list of things, things that cause depression. Abuse. Look at the next one, though. Isn't that encouraging? So if you don't age, you won't get depressed because you're dead. So age. Now, certain medications. Now, okay. Conflict. Death or loss. Here's another good one. Gender. I'm surprised that the WebMD is allowed to say gender. You know, which one of the many billions of genders are they referring to, I wonder? The next one, genes. Some of you say, well, Pastor, that's why I wear khakis. That's not that kind of genes. Okay? So they'll say, well, some of you, sometimes you're just depressed because of genetic genetics. Major events, other personal problems, serious illnesses, or substance abuse. Now, this list does not claim to be all-inclusive, but here is the mistake, and I want you to see this, okay? Depression, and, I, and again, understand, I know this is going out on the web. I'm not a doctor. I've not done, I don't have a any type of grant from the United States government to do a study or have completed a 40-year study or anything in that matter. But realize something. Depression is not caused by exterior circumstances. Exterior circumstances and other circumstances are factors that can precipitate depression. And it's interesting. I went and looked at some different Christian websites. And the Christian websites did not completely disagree, but I think I have the list up there. Do we have the next list? It's just much shorter. The other websites said, well, certain medications, genetics, serious illness. But I want you to understand something, okay? Some of you may be out there, and if you, if you look at this and you say, oh, no, genetics. And so you, you call and you, and you talk to your, your siblings or whatever, and, oh, and then you find out dad was depressed, mom was depressed, grandpa was depressed, and all of a sudden you go, oh, it's in my genetics. Certain medications. I actually was on a medication that is, is one of the side effects, says will cause depression if depression or thoughts of suicide. That means it uh, started a long time ago. Uh, before I knew that I would struggle with depression. In fact, it was one of the, one of the leading factors that started this downward spiral was this uh, uh, stuff for acne uh, back a long time ago uh, that I took. Um, the other thing, serious illnesses. Now, what I'm, what I'm not saying is I'm not saying that these things aren't precipitating factors or can't have an impact. But realize that these by themselves do not make you depressed. What makes us depressed, what makes us depressed is how we interpret and act on these factors. That's what makes us depressed. You do not have to be depressed if you have genes, which we all do. Now, is it possible that there are some people, because of your genetic makeup, that you are more of an Eeyore-type personality than perhaps a Tigger personality? Yes, it's possible. Okay? Um, 
All of you who have been around folks, you can see people in the same family. There are some people who are more excitable, some people who are less excitable. Um, it, there is a genetic precipitation, not precipitation, but, but a, a, a pre-indicator that would perhaps make it a little bit more easy. If you get a serious illness, will that make you depressed? No. But if you interpret that incorrectly and you don't continue to war the battle within of thinking biblically about the situation, it could lead into depression. And I, I, I firmly believe, listen, one of the things that happened with me, let me just share really quickly, as I went through the different stages and would battle with depression and different things, and I even studied, have, I'm in the process of, of, of getting my certification, thank you, babe, certification, I was trying to think of, it wasn't my papers, that sounded weird, I, but anyway, I was working on getting my certification for counseling, and we went through, we got to this depression, and because I struggled with it, I thought, well, this is great, I'm going to learn this, going to figure this out, and they went through all of it, and they said, this, 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 and I asked a question, I asked a question and said, hey, what, what, what about, because these different precipitating factors, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, the, the serious illness or sometimes serious grief or, or loss, I would say, but what, how do you explain going to bed and things are wonderful, I'm not struggling with depression, but then waking up in the middle of the night with the weight of the world crushing me? I don't remember having a dream. I don't remember going through anything. It's just... I wake up and I'm just Eeyore. And I, I called the guy who's the head of this particular certification program. And I thought, well, he's going to have the answer because he's, he's already got his papers. And he said something to me. He said, David, I, I don't know what starts it. I don't know why that, why that is that way. And guess what happened? What do you think is going to happen to a, a person who struggles with depression when he calls somebody to say, hey, what about this area of depression? And they say, I don't know what happens. Get depressed. <laughs> do you know why? Because I began to become despairing. Oh, there's no way out. But the Lord showed me something through that. Yes, it is a help to figure out what factors maybe preset you for these things so that you can be aware and understand just like right when it's raining heavy you slow down unless you're in florida they turn on their blinkers and park on the interstate i'm not sure what that is but but if it's snowing you slow down those are precipitating those are factors that come ahead you go okay it's raining hard the conditions are changing i'd better adjust accordingly because the way out is the same. Now, what, what are some different factors? Really, really uh, carefully. There are different things. There are physical things that can really kind of, like we said, those different uh, medications. But, but understand, it is important if you are struggling or if you have a loved one who is struggling. It's important because we are, as human beings, are we a body or are we a soul? What's the answer? Yes. So, do you need a pastor or do you need a doctor? Yes. And, and really, this idea of just, well, I'm going to go, because some people are like, okay, I'm going to pray harder. I'm going to go to more church. I'm going to, it's not, it's, the spiritual disciplines is not, is not going to whip it all by itself all the time. Most of the time, because the depression will actually either begin because of some physiological factor or it will have a physiological impact on you. And so seeing the doctor, because there's, there's, there's a lot of different things. A lot of them involve hypo, the word hypo in front of, hypoglycemia, hypothyroid. 
Um, hypo, many other things could cause it. Um, corticosteroids can cause it. Diabetes can, can be a precipitating factor that can get, you, get your mindset into one of these things. And so you have to be, you have to be careful. Um, but also, it can, it can be a, a, simple, a simple reaction to things that are going on. It can be neglect in your family, neglect in your spiritual uh, life. It can be neglect in your, your physical being. It can be neglect in any areas that can kind of precipitate and, and get in there. But the the thing that causes depression most often is this unbiblical thinking about life that happens. Okay? Now, in James chapter 1, are we going to have trials in our life? Okay, James chapter 1 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Okay? Diverse trials, different trials, what are the different trials that God gives us? Okay? All right, let's put that picture up of the, uh, the fella trying to lift up. Here is a, uh, that's a picture of Pastor Josh working out in the morning. Okay. See that heavy weight this guy is struggling to pick up? That's the diverse temptations we fall into. God sometimes walks up to us and hands us and says, you're now going to carry this. Why does he do that? Why does God walk up and say, now you're carrying this? Because he doesn't love us? No, he loves us, right? Does he have a plan? Look at, look at verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God brings us these weights so we can do what? Well, let's, let's show after God's brought the trial. We've read, that's why he brings it to us. He puts the pressure on us so that we can build up the muscles so that we can hold that up. That's why. Because patience is going to have her perfect work, make you complete, entire. The reason God brings difficult physical situations, the reason God brings difficult home situations, grief or loss, it is not because he wants to wear you down or grind you into powder. It is because he wants to strengthen you and grace you so that you can go to others and be a channel, be a conduit of grace to them. You and I both know That if somebody sits down with you and has gone through something like you have gone through and has said, hey, listen, you can make it through, I made it through. If they just come up and tell you that and they've never gone through anything, what do you think most of the time? You're tempted to go, "Hmm, okay, thank you, Mr. Platitude, have a nice day. But when somebody comes up and sits down and puts their arm around you and you know they have borne that burden and they now carry it very easily, you look at them and go, you can. And they go, yeah. And that's what Corinthians tells us, that the grace that we're given so that we can grace others, it's just, it's just such a blessing. He wants to do this. But sometimes when these weights come, okay, we, we react differently to them. So this unbiblical thinking, we mentioned this in Romans 12. The Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. He says, because God is so wonderful, because he's so gracious, because of his mercy, I want you to daily challenge yourself and sacrifice yourself to God's will. Which means, most of you know, I've had both of my knees replaced. 43 or 44 is pretty young for a person to have to get knees put in. Okay? Now, I forget, I'm 51 too. 51. I'm 51 now. My, my knees are got seven years on them. They got a few miles on them. You say, well, Pastor, that's not a lot of miles. Yeah, but you guys know all that marathon running. Now, it's not the marathon running that's doing it. But I, I've, I've got knees that aren't ever going to work perfectly. 
And I can get up in the morning and I can go, oh, and I can get mad or I can say, okay, God, I've got to pre- present myself a living sacrifice because either God has a plan that involves Goforth's knees going bad when he was a teenager or the Bible's not true. Because God says all things work together for good. So you mean my knees being shot when I'm 16? That can work to, mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I get up in the morning, I can get up and I can go, oh, you know, some of the hardest times for my knees after I'm done preaching. Because when, when I'm standing still and I'm not really moving around a lot, I know you say, Pastor, you move around some. But I'm not moving around a lot. There's one knee that kind of gets locked in an open position. And then I go to get into a car. And if you ever see me get in a car, you'll see me, this, this side will go in. And then I'll have to crawl into the passenger seat to get this one in because it doesn't really bend much. And I drag it across and I get it in there and then I sit down and then somebody runs up and goes, Pastor, could you come in here and meet this person real quick? And I go, no! <laughs> no, no. Okay. I have to stop. I have to say, okay, God, I've got to think purposely about this. How do you do that? Verse two, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The world says a knee that doesn't work is a bad thing. God's word never says that. He says... All things work together for good. He says that the momentary light afflictions right now works a far greater eternal weight of glory. He says this is good. And so I have to challenge my thinking. But see what happens. These things come to us. And then instead of us treating it like a weight. Okay. Now this actually comes from Psalm 38. Psalm 38. And this is a response when David had sinned. Okay. And that's one of the things that is so destructive for the Christian is because many times a despairing response to life situations will end up being a sin. If my knees are hurting and I'm angry, guess how much easier it is then for me to be mean to my wife? Do you think bad knees makes me more loving? No. It doesn't. It makes me more selfless. No, I start thinking just about, man, I just want to just, just start locking in on me. And so I will start doing things. And guess what happens when we do things out of a selfish ambition or out of self-preservation? Those most often are sin. And in Psalm 38, uh, David says something very interesting. He says, thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. Okay, now let's show this one. Another, another illustration to help you out. Here's a nice happy man. He's not lifting any weights. Okay. I want you to know, I actually drew the arrows. Nothing? Thank you. Thank you. I will be signing, uh, no. But that's, so if this person is going to stop being, now, I didn't draw a hand because I couldn't figure out how to draw a hand that looked like a hand. All of my hands looked like somebody had failed at some type of balloon art. (laughs) But Psalm 38 says, your arrows stick fast in me and your hand presses me sore. All right, now I'm going to see if you can figure this out, okay? <laughs> if our wrong reactions and these arrows represent what the Lord is trying to press on us to change, then how are we going to get to the point where we can stand up straight and enjoy life? How are we going to go from this to the next one? How are we going to go from the fella, what has to happen? Got to remove the arrows, okay? And so when we're looking at this despair, what we need to do is we need to look back and say, okay, what is causing this wrong thinking? Because this wrong, th- now listen, this wrong thinking might not in and of itself be a sin. But it's what leads to that despair. You just may be thinking, oh, like I'm saying, 
for me to get up and say, oh no, my knee hurts? Is it a sin to recognize that my knee hurts? But the reaction of now I can be mean to my children because my knee hurts. That's now, that's now the problem. So, so what do we do? We have to change the thinking. We're going to look really quickly at Psalm. You say, when are we going to get to Psalm 73? Now we're going to get to Psalm 73. Because here is a time. We're just going to walk through. You're going to see a fella who's going to complain and is going to say, man, you know what? This Christianity stuff is dumb. I don't see it. And then it's going to change. You're going to see almost the despair, the depression in his heart. And then you're going to see the despair and the de- depression melt away because of a change in his thinking. Now, I can tell by looking at the time, we're not going to get all the way through what to do after. We'll, we'll talk some more about how to help yourself and how to help other folks next Wednesday, okay? But I want you to see this because you have to be convinced. Listen, because some of you, no doubt, there are some folks in here tonight that are just struggling. Say, well, how am I going to get these arrows? Well, what does it mean, change thinking? I can't change my thinking. No, you can't, but through the grace of God, you can. And you're going to see it happen right here in front of you over a few verses in Psalm 73. Look at it, verse 1, it says, a psalm of Asaph, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Okay? Asaph's saying, God's good, God, God loves the people that, that are, that, that sounds like a good biblical theme, right? You'd want to sit next to this person in church. Look at verse 2, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. You know what he's saying here? There's no point. He's saying God's good to them, but not me. God protects the upright, but not me. Verse 3, I was envious at the foolish. Why? And I saw the prosperity of the wicked. God, here I am serving you. I'm going to church. I'm teaching here. I'm doing this. And my brother, my uncle, my dad, my daughter, my son, my husband, my wife doesn't care a lick. And their life is wonderful. My life stinks. He says, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4, there are no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. There's, no, there, there's nothing. They're, they're not scared of, of dying. Man, they, they don't wax old in their bodies. They just, they just stay, they stay fabulously fit. Verse 5, they're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Who's the other men that Asaph's talking about here? He's talking about the righteous. Who do you think he's including himself with? The bands of wicked men or the righteous? He's saying, they're not like me. They got troubles. They don't have troubles. I got troubles. They're not not like it. Uh, Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They are so well off. They're so fat, their eyes are bugging out of their head. They have more than heart could wish. I don't have more than heart could wish. I wish for a lot, but not these wicked people. They got it all. They've got it all. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heaven. Their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, as people return hither and the waters of a full cup are wrung out to them, and they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? They even make fun of you, God. I go to Wednesday night church. These people don't even go to church. They just constantly are against the things of God, and their life is wonderful. They've got a boat. He got a 14-point deer this past hunting season. I didn't even see anything in my stand. His wife is nice to him. My wife is my wife. His children are accomplished. My children are just children. 
He's going through all this. I mean, look how terrible it is. And then he says, Behold, these ungodly who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. You know what? Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain, washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it's too painful. How many of you like to have him over for dinner at this point? Huh? He is standing up and saying, you know what? I tried it. I tried the old do things God's way stuff. And I've seen it. I've seen the end of people that do things God's way. And it's... Now, this is not in Psalm 73. But often as a preacher, do you know when this sneaks in? Sometimes it sneaks in in the person that things happen to. Sometimes it does. I've actually had conversations with people that have come to me and said, I serve God. I did this. And God let this happen to me. But boy... So many more times have people come and say and said something like, God let this happen to them, to sister, to brother, to husband, to child, to this, to this. Why would God take them away? Why would God let them have this disease? Why would God do this? Why would God be they pointed out? Okay? This we have just seen common sense thinking. Wicked people have it all. Serving God ain't worth it. So what's the answer? Well, let's keep reading. Dun, dun, dun. Verse 17, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Sanctuary of God. You have to remember when Asaph is writing, okay, He's not talking about going into a nice, beautiful church and walking into the sanctuary. Sometimes we call this the sanctuary. Okay? He's talking about getting into God's presence. It says, when I got with God, then I understood their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How they are brought into desolation is in a moment. They are utterly consumed with tears. As a dream, when one awakes, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. Thou hast hold me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none on earth that I desire beside thee. Boy, that's a lot different from... Man, these pagan people, they get everything they want. Now he's saying, I've got everything because I've got you. And do you see the difference? Now listen, I would love to tell you that treating and, and struggling through depression happens as fast as it happens from verse 1 to this verse. It doesn't happen that fast. But I will tell you, I will tell you that this change in thinking it used to be something I used to honestly believe that depression was something that some people just have to cope with. My wife is a very happy person, even after three decades of marriage to me. She has gone through things I have never gone through. She's lost both of her parents. She's grown up with a mom that had a disease. She has so many more reasons. She just doesn't react the way I do. 
In fact, when she first found out that I struggled with depression, her wise counsel to me was, stop. Why do you do that? Why think that way? That's just so, that's bad. Stop it. Didn't work too well. And this, this happiness that she has, some of you aren't necessarily going to struggle, but some of you have gotten into this habit of thinking, well, I'm just going to go through these every once in a while. This is going to happen. Well, this, and we've come up with these different things and we've, we've decided to live a life that absolutely is not big of, uh, biblical because God says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Paul said, when I'm weak, then am I strong. Most gladly, therefore, like glory in my causes for depression. That's basically what that list is in Corinthians. He says, I'll glory in my reproach and my necessities and my persecutions. All this stuff that can be a bad thing, I'm going to click my heels and go, woohoo, because I'm about to get some good stuff. Because he changed his thinking from the sinful perspective of poor me, woe is me, to what God has. Now, we'll go through a more detailed point next week in how to do that. But what should we do for those that we know are struggling? Okay? Um, just a couple things really quickly and we'll be done. Um, Galatians 6.1. It says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Can I tell you, sometimes we look at, at, at depression and we say, well, we don't want to talk to people because it's embarrassing. I still remember the first time that I went to doctors because doctors were trying to figure out what was wrong with me because physically, physically, you could tell that I was terribly ill. Okay? I had gotten down, if you can believe, I had gotten down under 130 pounds. This height is the only time in my life I'd ever seen veins in my body. Now, my brother has always been able to like flex and he'd have veins pop out like this. I, don't even, I didn't even know I had veins until I got down into the 130s. Under 130 pounds, could not eat, could not sleep, was wondering what was going on. And I went in and the doctor, they went through all different kinds of tests and the doctor came in and he said, David, I want to talk to just you. I thought, no, mom can stay in here. She said, no, I need to talk to just you. I said, no, it's, it's fine. Mom can stay in here. And I remember how nervous, my doctor, who was a Christian, how nervous he was to look at me and say, David, I don't think the problem is physical. And I remember somewhat being surprised, thinking, what? It's obviously physical. I mean, I would eat something to my body. I, was, I would break into a flop sweat and then throw it up within minutes. I thought, this is obviously physical. It was not physical. I had worked myself so much into this place by this unbiblical thinking. And then I began to look at that, began to try to get help. And then I thought, oh, hooray, I've gotten over it. Now I'm past that. That'll never happen again. And then when it happened again, boom, I thought, oh, my. Then it happened again, and it happened again, and it happened again. And I thought, well, this is just my life. And can I tell you, it does not have to be your life because it is absolutely able to get help. And the Bible says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, who's supposed to help? You which are spiritual. There is absolutely no shame in getting discipleship for any area. Do not look at biblical counseling as some type of shameful. Biblical counseling is discipleship. That's all it is. 
It's just discipleship. Here is the basic steps. And basically discipleship is because some of you, listen, some of you are going to hear this on, and it's going to be enough. You're going to be able to help yourself. Some of you are still not going to be able to see the way through. You're still going to be despaired. You're still going to be utterly perplexed. Get help. You which are, restir- which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest also be tempted. Why? Because we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. So, so what do we do? There's a couple of things as a loved one that you should do, okay? Just really quickly, we'll finish this up. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Empathetic, do not dismiss, do not, do not mock, do not, okay, there's a struggle. All right, the struggle is real. Rejoice with those that rejoice, weep with those that weep. That does not mean, okay, listen, my senior year, I struggled so much with it that I, my parents would go to work very early in the morning. I would still be out delivering papers. I'd be out delivering papers by myself. I'd come back. I'd want to crawl into bed and sleep until time to deliver papers the next day. And not be around people. That was one of the destructive ways that I was reacting to what I was going through. Okay? So what you can do is you can understand, realize, okay, these folks are struggling and I need to consume their time. They, they don't need to be left alone. They don't need to be left by themselves. Um, you, you need to make sure that you don't just stop by, call in every two to three weeks, see what's going on. Find a way to get them encouraged. And listen to Hebrews 3.13. 3, the Bible says, but exhort one another daily. Here's what is one of the most difficult things about our pace of life here in the U.S. If you are depressed... Your, your, your life changes, it slows down, it just, life just becomes one big, long, morass, muddled goo. And then the rest of us are running around trying to keep up with everything, driving kids here, picking kids up from here, going over here, doing this, doing this, and doing this. And we're thinking, and we stop and we go, you know what, I, I had to call this person, I haven't called them up in about a week. And we call them up and they say, hey, I haven't talked to you since last year. And you go, last year? Because time passes so quickly for folks that are busy. But those folks that are home that are struggling, the Bible says, exhort one another daily. And see that next phrase, while it is called today, while you have the opportunity. So take the opportunity. Now, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying quit your job and you start, you know, say, okay, you're going to sleep all day. Well, I'm going to come home and take a nap too. That's not what I'm saying. You spend time with it because they do not need to be alone wallowing in this because it is a self-destructive spiral down. They will keep doing this spiral, getting worse and worse. You've got to spend time with them, love them, encourage them, strengthen them, and realize that the responsibility is to continue to minister to them and exhort them and encourage them. Get out there. Get involved. Be around people. Don't continue to grow this thing that is going on in your heart. Um, James 5.16, we'll be finished. By, James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I will tell you one of the things early on that, um, because my father, now my father was working a job like most people have to work. He couldn't just leave anytime he wanted to. But my father, he would come home and he would take me with walks. Take me on walks with him. That's what with walks meant, okay? He would take me on walks with him, and as we would walk, and it would be late at night, and I didn't want to walk, I didn't want to be there with my dad, my dad would walk with me, he would pray out loud. And honestly, I can't tell you how many times that happened. But as I walked with my father, and I listened to my father pour his heart out to God, and asking God to minister to the heart of his son, 
Number one, I was spending time with my father. I was listening to my dad interact with God. I was not home in the bed thinking terrible things, trying to fall asleep again, all the rest of this, turning the lights off, all of that. I was with dad, was listening to him, begged God to work and to show mercy in my heart. And it was one of the things early on that began to minister grace to my heart more than anything else. And so I would encourage you, spend time with, express love, empathize. Do not go in and say, you need to get over this. I'm done. This has been 30 years pack it up. Send it out the door. You need to come in and say, okay, this is a struggle, but this is, we're gonna, this is how we're going to get through this. And, and keep them awake. Get them moving. Don't, take, don't tell them, tell them, hey, you need, we need to get out here. We need to get ministering. Take the time. Go out. Serve. God made them to serve. Get them out and let them see the Holy Spirit working through them. Now, next week, next time we get together, we will work through some more of the details of exactly how to approach, but it's going to be the same basic thing. Do you remember our model, the tree? We're going to look at the beliefs, the meditation, the motive. We're going to look at all of those and say, okay, what do we put off? What do we put on? So that whenever the depressive thing comes in, instead of it making this sinful reaction, we've got to change the beliefs and change the thinking so that we have the right reaction. We'll look at some more specific things that we, that we do next time. Okay, let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer and then we'll go. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to spend some time looking into your word. I ask that you would encourage folks that do battle. Lord, I, I know that some battle consistently, some battle seasonally, uh, Lord, with different things that come along. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church, Lord, to be a place where the hurting can come, can be safe, can find help. Lord, help us to, to, to be a place of broken people together. Not pretending, Lord, that we've all got it straight and everything's, uh, the book's about to come out and we're about to have a movie made about our life because of how wonderful we are. Lord, help us to confess our faults one or another and be able to pray for one another so that we can be healed. Lord, help us to be that, that spiritual hospital that we need to be. Now, guide us as we go our separate ways. Keep us fixed on you. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed. Mm-hmm.